I knelt on the ground over the box, silently stunned. Digging deeper only brought out more shocking reveals. My mind was racing. A song that burrowed into my mind earlier that morning came back to me at that moment and played on a loop. I looked down at the pile of toys I had made for myself so far. Everything was happening so fast. I wasn't even able to process what I had located yet, but I knew by the distinctive colors and the prices, I had discovered something special. And of course, it was hidden where only a few people would look. It was completely unexpected, but an immense and welcome surprise. It was a monumental Star Wars find at a toy show. It was certainly one of my best in years, and likely the best find of the entire weekend. And at this point, no one else had any idea what I had uncovered. This is the continuing magic of the Toys for the Ages Expo. This is why we never cease in our hunt for the collectibles from the films and lines we love. This is turning out to be another incredible weekend in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. weekend of July, collector and promoter Andy Cook held the fourth annual Toys for the Ages Expo in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Running Saturday, July 29th and Sunday, July 30th, Toys for the Ages centered largely around the collectibles of the 1970s, 1980s, and 1990s. In addition to being a vintage treasure trove, the show boasts an array of modern items, as well as comics and video games. I first attended Toys for the Ages back in 2021. That summer, the pandemic that had shuttered so many of our regular collector meetups and events took a breather, and toy shows finally opened to the public once again. My dear friend Pete LaRose was heading out to Carlisle that August for the one-day show and invited me to come along with him. We met up at the Carlisle Expo Center on a Friday afternoon, and I helped Pete set up his table for the next morning show. After setup, I joined Pete and all of the vendors for a collector's dinner at a local pub. In many ways, traveling together from the show to the restaurant felt more like a family outing. And for some, it felt like a family reunion. The atmosphere Andy had cultivated during setup and through the weekend was a relaxed and genial one. The vendors looked out for one another. They helped each other where they could. It was all about kindness and connectivity and I was caught in the glorious crossfire. 
I watched as new bonds formed between collectors, and as the ones established over the years grew stronger. By the time I left on Saturday evening, Toys for the Ages had become one of my all-time favorite collector experiences. I had met so many new friends that weekend, and am blessed to be able to say that those friendships have continued to this day. Andy Cook, Bob Mistrella, Lucas Henkel, Chad Plouffe, Spencer Myers, Heath Levitt, and Christian Kuhn are some of the collectors I met in Carlisle in 2021. And I was able to add new memories to life's highlight reel with longtime collectors like Pete, Kevin Mann, Mark Ryan, Dennis Ciccolero, and Ryan Bauer as well. As a Star Wars collector, the show was magical. I came away from it with a number of fantastic Kenner and Hasbro items. But one of my favorite pickups from the past few years happened at Toys for the Ages. I returned home with four carded Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker figures in his Jedi Knight outfit. I was happy to add these 1984 77A-backs and 79A-backs to my Luke Jedi Focus collection. If you're curious to hear about that 2021 weekend at the Toys for the Ages Expo, to see why it was so memorable and so special, please check out episodes 53 and 54, a two-part series released in August of 2021. The series not only takes you through setup and the show, but is filled with many interesting collector conversations. Episode 53 is called A Weekend at the Toys for the Ages Expo in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And episode 54 is titled, Amazing Finds, The Toys for the Ages Expo in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Unfortunately, I was unable to attend last year's event, and truly regretted not being there for Andy's show. I was determined not to miss another one if I could help it, and was thrilled to return to Carlisle this July. After the first few years of the show's success, Andy decided to transform it into a two-day toy show. I ran into Andy and Bob Mistrella a few times over the year at various toy shows, and they would give me updates as to how the show was coming along. They invited me to another group dinner that would take place during the weekend, this time on Saturday evening. It has been a wonderful experience seeing Andy's show grow in popularity, and how it has become one of the better vintage toy shows in the country. I'm so proud of the work and care he's poured into it over the years and has really been a blessing to so many collectors. Leading up to this year's event, I had already planned to help Pete again with setup, and would arrive once again on Friday afternoon. Pete and his friend had purchased two connecting booth spaces for the weekend, but at the last minute, Pete's friend wouldn't be able to attend. Pete contacted me a week or two before the show, asking if I wanted to bring a few items and take over one of the tables that previously belonged to his friend. It was an appealing thought, as I had never set up at a show before as a vendor, and it would give me the opportunity to go through my collection and depart with some of the items that no longer fit into my overall focus. The weekend was shaping up to be another memorable one. So if you have some free time, you can take a ride with me to my storage unit, so I can pick up a few items before we leave for the show. Let's head over there now. It's 6 o'clock the day before I leave to go to the Carlisle Toy Show known as Toys for the Ages Expo, done by my friend Andy. And um, 
haven't been to a show in a while. I think the last one I went to was Toy Con NJ, and it was a good show. Um, but I, I was really kind of missing more of the collector experience, and um, you know there wasn't there wasn't a lot there for me. But um, but this is the first toy show that I'm going to be actually setting up at. I'm setting up through my friend Pete. I've never done a toy show before, um, and I'm really only doing it because he contacted me and he has he had got a table, uh, two tables, two booths with a friend, and his friend backed out, and so he had the extra space. He knew I was coming up, and. Um, he said to me, you know, if there's anything that you want to get rid of or sell, you know, feel free to bring it with you. As I said, I've never done it before. Um, yeah, I've done room sales events, um, but I've, I've never set up at a toy show. So it's been kind of exciting because I've, I've always wanted to just see what the experience is actually like for a weekend. And this is a two-day show, so we'll be setting up on Friday. And then um, Pete and I will be working this double booth together. Um, what's really nice about... Andy's show with the Toys for the Ages Expo is that the booths, I, I want to say they're 10 by 10 um, or 8 by 10. They're really large, so you can um, you can put up a lot of items um, to sell, and then there's enough room for people to actually go into the area if you want them to. Um, or at least, you know, the, the aisles are so wide uh, that people really aren't on top of one another. Um, I've always liked the way he's done the show. And so I'm really looking forward to, to setting up with Pete there um, and to see what this experience is like. Another interesting aspect to, to this exercise is that um, I'm pricing my items to sell now. And I, I found it really fascinating. But so that my method has been uh, to, to do what most people do, which I assume is to look up the items on eBay. Um, but I do it in a way, so I look up the items that have sold and ones that are still up on eBay and ones that haven't sold. Because I think that gives you an idea, you know, if something isn't selling at $400, um, you're not going to price it at 400 And then if you look it up and, and see where it is, you know, as far as it's selling, if it's sold for, you know, 250 then okay, the 250 is your, your guide. And then on top of it, what I've tried to do is to make it palatable to somebody that's coming to a toy show. Um, I think too many people look up this, the sold listings or the prices on eBay, and then they mark them with the same eBay prices. Um, and a lot of times those eBay prices are elevated. Um, you know, that works when, when you have a global market um, and, you know, global buyers and people that are, that are willing to, to sometimes either overspend or spend a lot um, to get an item, but at a toy show, people want a value. I, I think, I mean, that's how I do it too. I'm looking for, you know, a solid value where I walk away, um, with something special from a show. And so what I've tried to do is I've tried to price my items really under what, um, what would sell on eBay. Again, I don't know if any of my items will sell. I don't know what the market looks like at a toy show right now. Um, from doing these episodes in the in the past year, and that's really one of the, the the points that I've focused on. One of the topics that I've covered with other collectors and vendors is what have these toy shows been like 
and, um, and, and what is selling and what are, what are the trends that people are noticing. So I'm really curious, really excited to do this. As I said, I've never done this before and it's a nice opportunity to, um, to be on the other side of the table for once. Um, so here's to the Carlisle Toy Show, Toys for the Ages Expo 2023. I just picked up a bin and a few items from storage. I really don't have that much. I'm probably taking maybe three or four bins with me. Um, and they're, they're smaller bins. Um, but, I mean, some of, the, some of the pieces are nice. If anything, if uh, what I've learned from my conversations with the different collectors and vendors who have attended toy shows over the past year is that a lot of the items that tend to sell are the ones that are, first of all, that are, that are you know, priced fairly, um, but also ones that are under $100 and, you know, really for a while, I mean, it, it seemed like it was under 50 and now we're looking at ones that are more like, you know, under 25 So based on my very limited experience so far of putting items together, you know, preparing for my first toy show where I'm going to sell a few items at. Um, if I had to share just a, a few tips that I've learned so far, um, it would be number one, to bring a, a varied selection of items, um, to really go through your own collection and to pull stuff that you're never going to display, that maybe you have no attachment to, uh, you bought it, maybe you don't even remember why you bought it, but, um, and just, and just to really separate from, from those items, um, to, to better curate your collection and to pass them on to people who would be really excited to see them at a toy show. So that's number one, bring a varied selection. Number two would be to price your figures and your items in advance. Um, I've seen people get to the show the day of the show and then start to price their figures or to not have any prices on their figures. Um, I do remember going to ToyCon NJ and there was a really nice guy. His name was Jerry and it was the first time he'd ever done a toy show. He had hoarded a collection of toys like you could not believe. Um, the, the man could have really opened up a toy store and I think that was his intention. His basement was absolutely incredible. I've never seen anything like it. And, um, but he, he had showed up for the first time at a toy show and he had written some of the prices on note cards. And then he took a, a literal stack of a huge stack of note cards, punched a hole through it, and then put a, a bolt through it, screwed it in. And then that became his, his book, his binder of, of, um, of prices. So when he needed to find something, he, he had to go through that entire stack of note cards, uh, which was just insanity. And I mean, for every, for every purchase, it took 10 or 15 minutes to find it. So, um, what, what I've learned to do now is to, to price the stuff in advance. So that's what I've had to do. Um, you know, to figure out what, what the best price is that would, would move an item and one that I'd be happy with. Um, and one really that would be, that the, the customer would be happy with as well too. 
you know, because these are our fellow collectors. And if we can pass along items that we don't need, um, you know, it really makes for a great transaction. So, um, and uh, Pete shared this one with me, and he's very smart. So if you're going to to price stuff, instead of getting those those price stickers that they sell, you know, at, at um, stores like Michaels and Hobby Lobby, um, instead you really want to go with Post-its. And the reason why you want to go with Post-its is they come off the item very easily. They don't really stick. They stick, you know, enough to hold, but not to tear any sort of litho or, you know, surface or anything like that. Um, and you know, you're not going to get somebody who pays money and then, uh, gets frustrated when they have to take off a, remove a sticker. Um, and so, so that's, uh, make sure you price in advance and to use something like post-its, you know, the smaller post-its, I think they really help. Another thing that I learned uh, and really learned yesterday or, or this morning um, was that you want to bring singles and fives and tens, you know, and, and change with you um, because when people are buying stuff, uh, you're going to need, you know, if somebody comes to you and they buy an $8 item and they give you a $10 bill, uh, they need two singles back. And that, that's something that I just, you know, as somebody who's not a vendor, it just it didn't cross my mind until recently. So, um, that's another one. So I really enjoy this because I'm learning all of this stuff again from the other side of the table. And, uh, and I, so I want to share it with you, but so those are a few of the items that I've, I've learned so far, a few of the tips. And, um, I hope they help you if you ever are, have the chance to, um, to set up at a toy show or even a flea market and, and to sell. And, uh, yeah, so it's very exciting so far. So I'm just getting home now, and uh, I will bring my my bin and some of my items into my house. I'll finish pricing, and then really my goal is to uh, to get a good sleep tonight. Um, so I, you know, have a have a, a good rest ahead of me because uh, the next three days are going to be really exciting and and, and uh, pretty busy. I think um, tomorrow is supposed to be very hot, probably in the 90s, maybe even hitting 100. Uh, so it's going to be very warm in, uh, during setup. And so Friday afternoon is set up for the show. Uh, and then Saturday and Sunday are, are the show. I don't know what time it opens. I'm going to find that out, but you know, I'm sure Pete and I will get there very early and, uh, you know, we'll be set up tomorrow, but, um, again, just a, a really exciting time to do this. I'm very thankful to Andy for running a show like this, uh, that, that really, it feels like less of a show and more like a community event and a meetup, and I love that. And so I'm hoping to see, you know, a bunch of friends from the, the Pennsylvania area, as well as people that will be traveling in from other states as well, too. Last time I was there, I made a number of new friends, um, ones that I still keep in touch with two years later. And, um, you know, looking forward to, uh, to seeing them and, and to go out to a group dinner on Saturday night as well. And uh, really, I mean, the whole weekend is, um, is a true blessing. So come along with me and we'll see what happens at Toys for the Ages Expo.
Okay, good afternoon. I am currently on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. I am about an hour away from going to the show uh, and setting up with Pete. I can't wait. Uh, it really hit me today that this is going to be an actual trip, an actual vacation. Uh, I've been so busy for the last few weeks that I really haven't thought about it like that. Uh, there was always something to do, you know, in the, in the days leading up to this. Um, but yeah, so this is a, a, a vacation. It's, it's going from today, uh, which is Friday, until Sunday. We have set up tonight, and then Pete and I will probably get dinner. And then we'll go early to the show tomorrow. We'll be set up already, which is great. Uh, we'll be there at the, at the show for the entire day. And then a whole group of us, a whole group of, of collectors and friends are going out to dinner together. I believe it's to an Italian restaurant. And I'm looking forward to that as well, too. Last time I went out with everybody, it was really fun, really nice. And then um, we'll hopefully get a good sleep. Everyone will get a good sleep after a long day like that. And then we get up Sunday morning. We all go back to the show. And I don't know what time the show runs until, but we'll be set up there the, the whole time. So uh, I talked to Pete last night, and he explained to me how we're going to do the table setup. Um, so I, I, I believe we have three tables, and it's going to stretch something like 24 feet in length, which is pretty fantastic. Uh, we'll have enough room to really spread out our stuff. Um, you know, I, I brought one large bin, three small bins. I'm sure Pete filled up his truck, and uh, and so we, we should be you know set to uh, to offer a lot of um, more vintage, but vintage and modern items. Um, I've tried to to bring a, a few gems and a few items that would get people really excited and uh, would make the trip hopefully worthwhile. So you know I think this is just going to be a, a great weekend. I'm looking forward to catching up with everyone uh, who's going to be there. I've seen a few people. You know, this year so far, in the months leading up to it, and, and you know, at the end of last year, um, but it's just nice to be back in Pennsylvania again. I, I love it. I love this area. Um, I'm hoping to see some of uh, the Pennsylvania crew that they show up as well too. And uh, and I mean, we last time we had people come from Maine, which was really amazing. I believe uh, that was Kevin and Heath who came from Maine. So. I don't know if they'll be back. Um, I, I, I really hadn't gotten a chance to contact a lot of friends to see if they would be coming to this. So, you know, we'll see who uh, who shows up. But um, anyway, yeah, half hour to my destination, and then we're going to check into the hotel and then head on over to the Toys for the Ages Expo. I arrived at the hotel at 2.30, a half hour before I was supposed to meet Pete at the show. I'd wanted to check in and drop off my suitcase and the contents in my car that wouldn't be coming with me to the Carlisle Expo Center, rather than let them sit in my car and cook for the next few hours. The hotel was three miles from the venue, giving me enough time to unpack and to settle in before the weekend truly began. The doors to the hotel's sprawling lobby swept open, and in a moment I left the sunlight and the staggering heat behind. Families in bathing suits walked excitedly toward the pool area as some children ran ahead, flip-flops click-clacking along the carpet. After the brief commotion, I was alone again in the lobby. 
I stood at the desk, taking small strolls around the room and peeking into the breakfast area. After about ten minutes, a woman appeared from behind the desk and sighed as she saw me. Before I could say hello, she brusquely stated I had no chance of checking in for at least another hour, that the staff was overwhelmed and rooms weren't ready yet. She turned around and disappeared as quickly as she came. I stood there for a few more beats, trying to figure out what to do next. This was not how I expected the trip to start. I wheeled my suitcase back to my car, loaded it and some of the other bags I had with me into the trunk, and headed to the expo center. Check-in would have to wait. The town was a quaint one. The houses in the buildings seemed to be smaller than in most regions. It felt like one of the neighborhoods from my childhood, idyllic and frozen in an era long past. The sight of a dispensary on the corner shook me back to the present, but after passing the obnoxious glowing sign on its facade, the neighborhood once again returned to its Polaroid past. The Carlisle Expo Center was tucked away, embedded along rows of back roads. The front of the building resembled a cross between a modern library and a clean-edged storage facility. It stretched the width of the property and was covered in a wall of one-story windows that welcomed in the sunlight. On the far right of the windowed wall was a wide walkway covered by a crimson-red awning. In addition to the walkway, a series of paths led to the white brick entrance, topped by a light blue-peaked roof. A sign on the building directly under the roof read Carlisle Expo Center. As he had done in years past, Andy had once again hung a black banner declaring the Toys for the Ages Expo in its iconic 1980s fonts and colors. By the time I arrived, many cars and trucks littered the parking lot, and vendors were busy wheeling carts of toys into the building and returning the empty ones back to their vehicles to pick up their next load. I pulled into a quiet corner of the lot and into a shaded spot, hoping whatever I brought with me would not melt. The first few minutes of a toy show are always incredibly exciting, as the anticipation to see familiar faces as well as the treasures awaiting all of us becomes palpable. But I wanted to start this weekend off the right way, the way I've tried to begin every toy show trip. I shut off my car, bowed my head, and thanked the Lord for allowing me to arrive safely at another event. I prayed for all of the people who are already setting up, as well as the vendors and friends who would show up over the next few hours and in the morning. I prayed for Andy and his family, that the show would be a blessing to everyone who walked through the doors over the next two days, and that the weekend would be a memorable one for all of us. And at every toy show, I always add one extra request to my prayer. I humbly ask that the Lord would allow me to find something special there. I never expect it, and it's never the focus. But when it happens, it is always a true blessing. And with that, I thank the Lord for this wonderful, wild gift of life. I shut off my car and, grabbing my backpack, headed toward the entrance. I met Pete along the way. He had just arrived and was loading his first batch of boxes onto a four-wheeled cart. Pete is such a special guy. He's the father of an adorable and sweet young girl named Audrey, and he loves her more than anything on the planet. 
For the past few years, he's been serving as a financial advisor and has helped numerous people with successfully investing their savings and planning for their respective futures. When it comes to toys, Pete's been a serious collector for decades, and he has one of the best collections in the world, featuring one-of-a-kind pieces and prototypes, and spanning many of the most beloved lines from the 1980s. Pete is known throughout the collecting community, and people consistently seek him out because he always has rare and desirable pieces. For this show, he brought a large Star Wars Pepperidge Farm cookie display from 1983 and some boxed Masters of the Universe samples from the Mattel store. He had massive playsets from the 1980s, still in their original boxes. His showcases were filled with carded He-Man figures, Star Wars gems, and lines I've never even seen before. We entered the building, carefully directing the first set of boxes on the cart. The first booth was at the front of the show on the far left corner. It belonged to Mark Ryan, another longtime collector and the co-promoter of the Maryland Toy Expo. Mark's booth was split into two segments. On one end was a full assortment of modern Hasbro Star Wars toys. The other side contained an array of boxed and loose vintage Kenner items. Mark had a rare Jabba's Throne Room playset from 2010. There were Rebels and Force Awakens era vehicle and figure packs stacked on a table. For a modern collector, it was simply heaven. Most of the items neatly arranged on tables and in bins below were the ones rarely seen at toy shows, and they covered much of the past 20 years of Hasbro collectibles. Mark's Kenner offerings may have been even more impressive. He had a few box Slave One ships, two Imperial shuttles, a Y-Wing and a B-Wing, two Dagobah playsets, a Scout Walker and a Rancor, and an Empire Strikes Back Millennium Falcon in the box. Underneath that eye-catching showcase were loose versions of the vehicles, many of which were complete with all of their parts. Adats, land speeders, dewbacks, and tauntauns. Seeing Mark's table made me extremely hopeful for the offerings at the show. If this was only the first booth, I was certain further Star Wars gems were waiting for all of us. Okay, it's 10 after 3. We just finished unpacking Pete's uh, truck, so I'm bringing the last of it to our booth. Um, the venue is much bigger than I remember it. Uh, there's a lot of setup already happening. Um, really exciting. So far, I see a ton of vintage Star Wars stuff, some really nice modern stuff, and that's just the first table. Um, but if you are a Star Wars collector, this is really the place to be right now. I can't wait to go through everything. Um, it's like Christmas morning. There's just bins and boxes everywhere, and uh, it'll be fun to, to see what stuff shows up. After four trips to Pete's car, we had finally brought all of his wares inside. I asked him if he needed help setting up, but I've learned to step back and to give him space. He usually has a vision in his head, and then fills in the gaps and restructures once everything is laid out in front of him. It's part planning, part improvisation, and it always comes together in a way that is aesthetically pleasing. While Pete worked on putting his shelves together, I headed out to my car to get the items I brought to sell. I had settled on three small bins and one larger one, containing mostly vintage and modern Star Wars items. 
Pete was kind enough to supply me with two display cases for my table. I returned with the bins and filled the first case with a variety of vintage carded figures from The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. To finish off the case, I added four loose graded figures including two blue snaggletooths and a rare 12-inch IG-88 figure. For the second case, I had brought a nice and thorough assortment of accessories and parts for the vintage Kenner vehicles and playsets. I had a cut-card R5-D4 Star Wars figure and a few bagged figures as well. On the remainder of the table, I had added some modern carded figures and a few other rare items that I had hoped to pass along to some fellow collectors. Okay, it's 5 o'clock and I'm just finishing pricing a bunch of my items. I've taken over one table, I have two display cases. Um, in one I have about 10 or 20. I was interrupted by Andy's announcement about the incoming rain. Before heading to Carlisle, I had checked the forecast for the weekend. Saturday anticipated storm showers, but apparently they were arriving early. The sky quickly grew dark, and the sunlight that flooded the building's front windows disappeared. Peals of thunder crackled overhead, and rain began to attack the rooftops and hurtled against the glass panes. I was fortunate to have Mark Ryan and Andy Cook join me for a quick conversation and a weather update. Okay, we are in the building. It is uh, 5.30 and all of a sudden the rain has hit. Um, we are fortunate to be here with a meteorologist. We have Mark Ryan joining us, so I'm going to cut it over to Mark. Mark, please give us an idea of what is happening right now. Hi, thanks. I'm standing outside here in the rain and it's coming down. It appears to be coming from the north at a sideways position. It's extreme here. Um, I'm, my, my hair is blowing and um, I think I saw Dorothy. I'm not really sure, but it is blowing wind. It is crazy here. We got rain spouts. There's water pouring out. Back to you in the studio. <laughs> All right, we're going to try to stay dry. We are technically inside. Mark is half outside, half inside. But uh, it looks like the rain has slowed down a little bit, so maybe that was it. All right. Ah, we're here with Andy as well, too. Andy, how's everything going? Oh, it's going. How are you doing today? Doing okay. Uh, so it looks like, you know, I'd say, what, 60% of the people are set up so far? Yeah, I'd say about 60%. I think uh, we have maybe like eight vendors yet out of the 62 that haven't been here. What's the coolest piece that you've seen so far in walking around? Oh, my gosh. I know, a tough one, right? Uh, there's pretty pretty cool. Uh, I mean, I'm just biased, but I'm in this, I'm in the cardboard standees, and there's a Toxic Crusaders uh, movie standee over there. With, it's a uh, huge one too. Yeah, but you, that's a pretty rare one. You don't you don't really see that much. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of amazing stuff here already. Uh, I haven't really had a chance to take it all in yet, um, but uh, I'm sure uh, I'm sure you're walking around. <laughs> you'll be able to find some stuff because it's it's definitely. Uh, Definitely some killer stuff here for sure. Okay, are you um, are you relaxed? Are you in a state of panic? What, what are you feeling right now? Uh, no, I'm actually pretty relaxed. This whole week I've actually been pretty relaxed. Uh, you know, it uh, since we're going on our fourth year, we're pretty organized, and and I'm um, still nervous about two days. You know, because uh, you always get that. Um, you want as being a promoter, you always want to get people in here on Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, but we've had a lot of uh, we did online ticket sales this year. Of course, it's always 
Tickets are always available at the door, cash or credit. We're never going to take that away. Mm-hmm. But we did the option for pre-sale tickets this year. and uh, That seemed to work pretty well. Yeah, we're up to 300, I believe. So, um, you know, we're looking forward to that. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We have a lot of giveaways going on this year. We're doing a big uh, OB Toys uh, custom dinosaur giveaways on Sunday. Um, we're doing uh, Torch for the Ages uh, Expo uh, cash. So, actually, early bird, you're going to get $100 cash to spend at any booth. Um, and then we're going to do $25 throughout the day. And that's both uh, Saturday and Sunday, so you get a chance to okay. get some free money to spend it, spend here, you know? As, as a promoter, um, what is your favorite part about your show? To me, it's uh, basically bringing these vendors in that have amazing items and being it, people just to come and not necessarily buy, but to come and see this amazing stuff that you may never get a chance to see in your lifetime ever. That's like... That's the best, and like to, to bring these people in and, and then create friendships and and uh, you know uh, bring this type of community together. It's truly an amazing thing, you know. I, I just really, I really enjoy it, and I really have a passion for it. Um, I'm always a collector, and I always will be a collector, and that's my number one thing is to to build a, a the best vintage toy show around. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. Uh, I think you're. I think you're on your way. This is this is really incredible. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see what that. it looks like tomorrow morning when yeah. doors open. But uh, but really, I mean, I was saying to you before, I'm seeing more vintage Star Wars stuff here and more really good vintage Star Wars stuff than I've seen at almost any other show I can think of. Yeah, well, and we're we're just we're just at setup. Like this is incredible. Yeah, well, I'm I, you know, and I'm glad. Like I, I I honestly I do vet all the vendors that come to my show. So. Um, for other vendors out there that want to participate in Torch of the Age Expo, you must have 75% vintage, and the vintage for me is uh, is 2000 and, uh, 2004 and below. Can we open that one, too? Is it? Got it. Thank you. Quick, quick rain, but it cooled it off. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, like, we just... Uh, you know, I want to keep it vintage, and that's what we're going to do here, you know. And just uh, that way we know when you come to the show, you know what you're looking for, and you know what you're going to expect. Will you get a good sleep tonight? Yeah. Okay. I'm, 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 this is like you're the set. most relaxed that I've been I love it. For, since I've been putting on this show. Yeah. So. Well, you have um, a good support team. You have good vendors and good people that are showing up. There's a nice sense of trust here, a nice sense of respect. Um, everyone's really kind, uh, and it is like a family event, so yeah. I love it. Uh, Andy, I wish you the best for tomorrow and Sunday. Thank you. So glad you're part of it. Thank you. It's almost 6 o'clock. The rain has stopped. Looks like the sun's come back out again. It was torrential rain for a while, um, which was pretty amazing. I don't think anyone was expecting that. Um, it's really nice here. Everyone is really kind. Um, there's, a, there's a nice sense of, you know, even with people that you don't know, of uh, people saying hi. It reminds me of when I travel to the south. Uh, just, you know, everyone kind of says hi and just makes, you know, light conversation and... Um, it's nice for a toy show like that. So it's about 20 minutes until setup closes. Uh, it ends at 7 o'clock tonight. Um, 
it's been really nice. It's uh, it's it's very low key. There's a, a ton of room in here. Um, I think Andy does it right by giving each vendor uh, an incredible amount of space to work in, and I, I think you know, and also he widens the um, the aisles as well too, which allows for you know people to walk without being on top of one another. Um, I'm stepping outside for the first time in probably a few hours, and it's nice so far. Um, you know, I'm sure this is this is the end of a of a, a long week for a lot of people. So, um, you know, I, I think people are are, uh, are coming here and you know setting up and tired. But then I think you have uh, other people that are choosing to come tomorrow morning and set up. So set up is at six o'clock tomorrow morning, which is nice. At the end of setup, Pete and I headed outside. We met up with Chad Plouffe, Kevin Mann, Matt Mitchell, Alex Coulthart, and a group of collectors in the parking lot. They were making dinner plans and invited us to come along. We decided on a restaurant that was a mile or two down the road. Desperate Times is a microbrewery that features German-inspired dishes. Before driving over to the restaurant, Pete and I stopped back at the hotel to drop off some bins and to get cleaned up. Okay, we just checked in. I'm taking the elevator downstairs now to get some of my stuff. But the hotel is nice, and uh, we're going to go meet a bunch of our friends at a place called Desperate Tongues, which is a microbrewery and, uh, I guess, a pub. So, looking forward to that. I didn't know what to expect for setup, but it turned out to be really relaxing. Um, it was one of the most low-key toy show setups I've ever been to. Um, people seemed to, to just be taking their time and setting up, and it worked out really well. Back in the elevator again. Um, but it was just, it was really nice overall. Um, the venue is great. It's larger than I remember it being. There's a lot of space in there. Um, I saw really cool items. You know, it's always nice to see a My Pet Monster, and I feel like at every good toy show, there's always at least one. Um, I saw things like Mad Balls, um, Thundercats, He-Man, but again, a lot of Star Wars stuff, which is was probably the biggest surprise because for the last year or two, it's been harder and harder to find vintage Star Wars stuff at a toy show, and. This had more than I've, I can ever remember seeing from a, a show, uh, so maybe other than something like Celebration. Um, not a ton of carded stuff, and the carded stuff that I did see was priced pretty high, but a lot of loose, um, ex a lot of accessories, uh, the ephemera around it, so, you know, the activity books, coloring books, um, you know, eraser sets, things like that as well, too. Pete has a really nice uh, display. So it's the Pepperidge Farm cookie display. Um, I've had my eye on one recently, and, uh, and, and this one's really nice. So um, I, someone mentioned that they are interested in it, um, and uh, I, I do hope they get it because it's a good friend. So we'll see if that happens. But, um, but yeah, so... Right now, I'm just getting the last of my stuff to bring back upstairs, and then we're gonna go eat. 
We arrived as the sun was starting to set. Chad and most of the group were seated inside. The room had high ceilings with exposed beams. And the combination of white walls and sleek black tables and stools gave the restaurant a clean and sparse look. A baseball game played on some of the televisions surrounding us. Pete and I joined our group and sat at one end of the table. Kevin and Alex arrived shortly after and sat in the remaining seats at the end with us. Over appetizers of huge pretzels on hooks and pizza, we discussed prototypes, and Pete shared a story about a recent Thundercats piece he had acquired. We stayed at the restaurant for more than two hours, talking toys from the 1980s and 1990s. There's something about being with collectors and getting into deep discussions about the toys that brought us together in the first place. Here's Kevin with his take on the evening at Desperate Times. Hi, it's Kevin from Caveman Toys. Uh, wow, what a great show it was. Through through year in a row, coming out to Carlisle for Toys for the Ages. I particularly enjoyed... Um, hanging out with everyone on Friday, uh, more of an impromptu dinner, but uh, really enjoyed speaking with uh, David, of course, and uh, also uh, Pete LaRose, learning uh, the ins and outs of uh, the high-stakes game of acquiring original artwork from toy, toy lines uh, over beers, desperate times, require desperate measures. <laughs> Is that how the phrase goes? And here's Matt highlighting the importance of these in-person moments and meetups and how they really connect collectors in a meaningful way. And of course, it was a great time mingling with everybody at Desperate Times Brewing. Great food, great conversation, really good beer. And it was awesome getting to know Sentry, the mad collector, as well as uh, Jersey Geek, who are two other YouTubers that were there and documented the show. Be sure to check out their videos if you haven't already. And of course, mine, Reese Retro Toys, if you haven't. And it was just a great time. And the more I'm in to the vintage toy collecting community, it's less about the physical items and more about the relationship building and establishing friendships and just having a good time doing what we all love. It's like going to a concert of one of your favorite bands. You all have something in common. You can immediately strike up a conversation and start talking about vintage toys and talk about those childhood experiences and what you had or what you didn't have as a child that kind of was the catalyst for becoming an adult vintage, vintage toy collector. After dinner, we walked out to the parking lot and spent a few more minutes chatting under the stringed lights around the entrance and outdoor patio. The evening was fulfilling in so many ways. In those relaxing few hours, I had learned so much about the histories of other toy lines. But more importantly, I had the opportunity to catch up with the collectors I had met years ago at toy show weekends just like this. And I had established new friendships with people like Matt Mitchell and Alex Coulthard in the process. Pete and I said goodnight to the rest of the crew and headed back to our hotel. After all, the morning of a toy show comes around quicker than we expect, and we wanted to be fresh and ready for the busy day awaiting us.
I've grown to love that sound. Maybe not at 6am on a Saturday morning, but it's the alarm tone I use solely for these toy trips and vacations. In addition to waking me up before the sun fully rose, it also announced that the first day of the Toys for the Ages Expo was about to begin. Pete left for the show a little earlier than I did. He wanted to get settled in at our booth and to finish pricing his items. As I drove to the venue, I realized that I hadn't seen anything at setup that I had wanted to add to my collection. And I was okay with that. At this point in collecting, I rarely find much at shows anymore, because I'm very specific with what I bring home. I focus solely on Star Wars, and although I collect both modern and vintage, I try to purchase figures and pieces when the prices are right. And while the Toys for the Ages Expo had some of the fairest prices on Star Wars memorabilia that I've seen in a very long time, unfortunately, nothing I saw the previous evening was anything I specifically needed. Still, the morning of a toy show always carries hope. Vendors who weren't at setup the night before would essentially premiere their wares before the show opened. And some sellers either add to their setup once they see how much space they have, or they save some special items to showcase once the shoppers arrive. I was fine not coming home with anything new from the weekend. After all, I had brought a few items to sell and was happy to part with them, and to have that be the focus during my time at the booth. In the parking lot, I once again prayed a prayer of thanks and asked the Lord to bless everyone who would be coming to Carlisle for the show. I arrived with more than an hour to spare before the early bird shoppers would charge through the front doors, but the parking lot was already buzzing with activity. Once inside, I arranged some of the more valuable items in my display cases, as I had taken them back to the hotel with me. Pete was busy jotting down prices and sticking post-it notes on each box on a shelf in the back of our booth. And over the next 40 minutes, I did a lap around one half of the venue, stopping by each table and saying hello to the vendors. Pete called me and told me someone was currently at our booth and was interested in purchasing some of my items. I returned to the booth to help him out, and we worked out a deal. At that point, Andy announced over the loudspeaker that the show would be opening earlier than expected and the crowd began to fill the front and side of the venue closest to the door. Okay, it is 8.30. They let people in a little early. Uh, Good morning. So it is is pretty busy right now. There are still people coming in. Um, It's just nice to see. There's a lot of bustle here, and uh, people are going through all of the the different uh, booths and different tables. Um, There's certainly a lot to see here. My gosh, I haven't even gotten a chance to look at everything Um, because they opened the doors about 10, 15 minutes early. Um, But uh, I had my first sale of the day, too, which is pretty neat. I brought some card backs with me. was not expecting to to sell them. I I kind of, in a way, brought them reluctantly because I just... um, they were just in a box of, of stuff that I was bringing with me, and uh, there was a, a friend, that, a new friend that I met. His name is Matt, and uh, he needed card back, so that worked out great. So that's the first sale of today. Pete knew I hadn't had a chance to check out the entirety of the show before the shoppers were admitted, so he kindly suggested I take some time and continue my tour of the tables. He was finishing pricing his items and said he would man the booth for a while. I took him up on his offer and headed toward the aisles I hadn't yet explored. 
I passed shoppers and collectors who were excitedly talking to the vendors in front of them as they inspected the toys around them. And I walked in and out of every booth to make sure I did not overlook anything. There was a freeing feeling about walking through a toy show for the second day. I knew there was nothing I had missed from the day before, and having seen most of the vendor tables by that point, I was content. While the show offered so many incredible toys and collectibles that would likely thrill the incoming shoppers over the weekend, nothing particular had caught my eye, and my wallet would likely remain a little fuller. Certain areas of the venue were emptier at this point. I came upon a small booth that had some modern Star Wars toys of various sizes along each of the tables. In the corner of the booth was a box filled to the brim with Hasbro figures. Each was in a small plastic bag and was individually priced. Most of the figures were in the $5 range, and there were a few rarer ones. Others were ones I couldn't quite place or had never seen before. The dealer gave me an empty box in which to put the ones I didn't want to help me with my search. I dug past the Power of the Force 2 figures from the 1990s and saw everything from the Power of the Jedi and prequel figures from the turn of the century all the way up to some of the current Build-A-Droid astromechs. Keeping everything as neat as possible, I was tucked away in the corner, enjoying looking through the world of Hasbro Star Wars figures while the rest of the attendees descended upon other booths. I had made a small pile of the figures I was considering buying, when all of a sudden I came across an anomaly. Buried in one of the layers of plastic bags was a 1985 Power of the Force Poplu for $15. It was missing its staff, but it was a Kenner figure, and was one of the famous final characters of the line, part of the last 17 release. I immediately put it into my pile, pleasantly surprised by this find. I didn't think too much of it, however, and assumed it was the lone vintage Star Wars figure in that heaping modern pile. As I dug into a deeper layer, I pulled out a figure from the 1985 cartoon Ewoks line, the queen of the Duloc tribe that antagonized the titular Ewoks, Lady Urga. She was reasonably priced as well, which was shocking to see at a toy show, especially within the past three or four years. I gazed into the rest of the box. I couldn't really see beyond the top unexplored layer, but if there were two rare vintage Star Wars figures in that box, I immediately deduced there could be more. I had probably found what would be the highlights of my search in those two figures, but was thrilled by the possibility of what remained. But I was wrong. I pulled out two more Ewoks figures, the Duloc Scout with his rust orange club and the Duloc Shaman, who is holding his rare staff. Both looked as fresh as the day they were produced, and their prices were too good to pass up. I added them to my pile and continued digging. The next figure was Lady Urga's husband, the green-furred King Gornish. He was the same price as the rest of the Ewoks figures, and also came with his rare gray staff. Behind me, I could feel the booth becoming a little more crowded, as a few shoppers began moving closer, rifling through the items on the tables above my head. 
I reached back into the box in front of me, scooping out a handful of bags at a faster pace. Removing some of the modern figures, I was left holding two figures from Kenner's other animated figure line, the 1985's Droid series. Kia Mole had her light gray blaster, and George Dusat, in his purple and red outfit, came with a thicker black rifle. I began to dig faster through the box. Could there possibly be more figures like this, I thought to myself. A gentleman stood over me, and I couldn't tell if he was trying to peer into the box or if he was looking at something on the table next to us. I put the droids and Ewoks figures as close as possible to me and put a layer of stormtroopers and other modern figures over them to cover them. In another handful, I pulled out a near-perfect droid's Jan Tosh with his unique black IG-88 rifle and an Uncle Gundy whose black version of the Reese accessory has become heavily desirable over the past few years. I had no idea what the figures were worth currently, but I knew they were well beyond what their price tags read. So I moved more of the modern figures to the second box, keeping that one close to me as well so I could go back through it a second time. An A-Wing pilot who appeared in both the Power of the Force line and the Droids line was the next figure to surface. He did not have his tiny black blaster, but again, the price for the figure alone was the best I've seen in almost a decade. Toward the bottom of the box were two really tough figures to find complete. Kez Iben came with his blue satchel and a blaster, although I could not tell at the time if it was the correct black one. And Thal Jobin was also in pristine condition and came with his blaster. They were all priced in the same range as the other droids and Ewoks figures, and I was thrilled to add them to the pile. And waiting for me at the bottom was a figure that had been on my list for a while, one I never thought I'd find at a show. My eyes widened as soon as I saw the iconic cartoon yellow of the body, head, and limbs. It was a complete droid C-3PO. I didn't know what its current value was, but I figured it was at least worth twice the price of the bag sticker. I pulled the remaining bagged figures from the bottom of the box as more shoppers began to crowd around me, and I carefully placed them in the second box. It was shocking to find those figures at a show, as I had nearly a full set of droids and Ewoks figures in front of me. And while the seller understood the rarity of the figures, they were priced so reasonably that I truly couldn't even process what was happening in that moment. I brought the 13 droids and Ewoks figures to the vendor. We worked out a deal, and the vendor kindly gave me a further discount since I was purchasing so many figures. I then returned the rest of the figures from the second box back to the original one to clean up for the seller. In doing so, I stumbled across one more special figure. As I went to drop a handful of plastic bags into the original box, I noticed I was holding on to another incredibly rare droids figure, the unique R2-D2 with the pop-up lightsaber. This one had evaded my grasp for years, and like the C-3PO, I never believed I'd own a loose example. The figure was in beautiful shape, with a very white sticker and no paint wear. I stared at it for a few seconds in disbelief, my eyebrows raising at the terrifying thought that I almost accidentally left this gem behind. In its dome was its distinctive dark green lightsaber, 
one of the harder accessories to find in the entire Kenner line. I went through the rest of the box to make sure I had everything I wanted and then paid the seller for the R2-D2. We were each very happy with the transaction and I walked away from the booth in total shock at the discovery that had likely sat unexplored for hours. It had been a long time since I've had an amazing find at a toy show and this would certainly be a memorable one. I just had to share this, so it's 8.55 this morning and I had one of the best finds I've ever had at a toy show. Um, there was a, a box of loose modern Star Wars figures, a uh, pretty substantial box, and it was filled to the top. And so I just started to dig through them as I do because I love modern. And um, there were also vintage figures mixed in, and it was almost a complete collection of droids and Ewoks figures. I think it was, every, like, the, the wicket was missing, and the size and take from were missing. Um, but I got everything else. Uh, A-Wing Pilot, um, C-3PO, R2-D2 with the pop-up saber, um, George Dusat, and Thal Jobin, Kez Ivan, Kia Mole, uh, Duloc Shaman, Duloc Scout, I'll be honest, I don't even know what I have yet. I have to look through, but um, the the R2 with the pop-up saber and, and the C-3PO, this all came from one collection. Uh, the owner uh, had it since childhood, had all the accessories with the stuff as well and matched them. Um, it's just amazing. So I'm completely shocked. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know even what I got yet uh, because I just, I just bought everything. But... Um, yeah, uh, King Gorniche, uh, I'm looking in the bag now, so Lady Gorniche. Uh, this was <laughs> one of the better finds I can, I can remember, and, uh, and the prices were terrific. So the show is off to a good start. I had my first sale, and I had my first purchase, which <laughs> heavily outweighed my first sale. But uh, here we go. Once the doors opened to the general public, the time at the Toys for the Ages flew by much faster than I had anticipated. I spent most of the day at the booth with Pete, talking to attendees of all ages and of all interests. One of the shoppers, an older gentleman, stopped in front of our booth and stared for a long time at Pete's Star Wars Pepperidge Farm cookie display. When I spoke to him about it, he told me that his father had worked on the release back in 1983 and that the cookies were produced in Downingtown, Pennsylvania, a region not too far from Carlisle. Growing up as a Jedi kid, those cookies were just as memorable to me as the Kenner toys. I loved hearing about his experience with the Pepperidge Farm items and how that display had brought back memories of his family. I also met a couple who had moved to Lancaster recently. When I told them I was from New Jersey, we discovered we had both lived in the same town before their move. They recommended a few places to eat along the Jersey Shore, and we discussed some of the great shops for pies and food in Lancaster. And although much of Saturday was a blur, those were the kinds of moments that stood out to me. 
I love speaking with other collectors and toy fans, seeing what caught their attention and to which items they gravitated. I love the discussions around the various items and their collecting fandoms, how they displayed their pieces, what they loved, and why they collected. It was a fascinating few hours, and I learned a lot from each conversation. Here's Kevin again to share a little of what he enjoyed at the show. My f- one of my favorite booths at the show was uh, Arsenal Toys. Eddie and his wife, Janine, just met them. Um, I think this was maybe their first show. But if it wasn't, wow, I was amazed at all the stuff they brought. Picked up a um, Bowstar Galactica Cosmic Yo-Yo, um, a uh, bunch of medallions, uh, rack toy from uh, Flash Gordon from 79. Uh, but it just love uh, hanging out with all the different vendors I've gotten to know. Kelly from Retro and Rad. Um, always good to see Andy. Um, yeah, a list of people that um, it's, it's always good to see. Bob Mistrella. Um, the, the list is probably too long for me to remember in, in a couple minutes. So, um, yeah, memorable show, always amazing stuff there. And, um, great to see all the people that, uh, I don't get to see often in Pennsylvania. And here's Matt to talk about shopping the show with a friend. Hi, it's Matt Stryker from Rees Retro Toys. One of my favorite stories from Toys for the Ages Expo 2023 is definitely when my good friend Chad found two, not one, but two of his grail pieces that he was looking for that weekend. We were driving out there Friday afternoon and heading to vendor setup on Friday. And I asked him, I'm like, because you have so much already, Chad, your collection is amazing. What could you possibly be looking for? And he said, I'm still looking for the Dungeons and Dragons gift sets, which are the two packs, which have the figure and the horse together. And I'm also looking for the glow in the dark Cthulhu. And wouldn't you know it, one of the first things that we found was the War Duke and Nightmare evil gift set from Dungeons and Dragons. The vendor was still setting up. He had an amazing booth, but that is just one of one of the first pieces he actually put out on the top. And I happened to see it out of the corner of my eye. I said, Chad, look at that. I wish I was filming at that moment because his mouth about hit the floor and his eyes bulged out of his head. And it was just an amazing moment to see. Uh, just and, and then he found the glow in the dark Cthulhu as well. And that was amazing. So I was just so happy to see Chad having a good time um, and find exactly what he was looking for, too. I, I, it was just amazing that those two pieces are is what he said in the car ride over there. Me, my personal favorites that I picked up over the weekend are definitely my Rancor box from The Return of the Jedi and, um, of course, the sealed crash test dummies that I had when I was a kid, which were the the red crash car and the crash and bash chair, which I got from Andy. He decided to downsize his crash test dummies collection, and I was able to snatch those up from him, and they look great here in, uh, in my collection. At 4 o'clock, Andy announced that the show would be ending for the day. 
and that the Toys for the Ages Expo would reopen at 9 o'clock the next morning. As the remaining shoppers made their way toward the exit, Pete and I packed up to leave as well. Bob Mistrella had arranged a group dinner at a local Italian restaurant in the area for 4.30, and the two of us wanted to stop at the hotel before meeting up with everyone. We arrived at the restaurant to find out that there was a problem with our group reservation. Here, I'll let Bob explain what happened. What's up, toy people? Bob Mistrella here from Uncle Bob's Vintage Toys. Hey, I wanted to share a story with you guys. Toys for the Ages... Great show, first off. Fantastic, had a great time, saw some great friends. Well, if you're not familiar with um, vendoring at a toy show, a lot of us are friends. We all know each other. We enjoy each other's company. So we tend to put together a vendor's dinner. Well, I set it up, and uh, there's a place nearby. It's a really good Italian food place, real real good Italian place. And uh, being an Italian from New York, I'm picky. So I'm like, hey, everybody should like this. So my wife and I were there one night, I guess about six months or so before the show. Stopped, talked to the manager, tell him what we need. Yeah, I need so many people. He's like, okay. Writes it in the book. I watched him write it in the book. And uh, he says, I said, I probably might need some more. He's like, no problem. He's like, just let me know. Call me about a week before. Give me a more firm number. It's okay, no problem. So I talk to everybody. You know, I get a head count. You know, it's like pulling hen's teeth. Because some people, it's hard to get a hold of. Anyway, so I get all the head count about a week before the show. I call up there. Hey, you know, this is Bob Mistrella. I got a book for such and such a date. Yada, yada. I, I, got, I got like 40 people coming. Okay, yeah, no problem. We can handle it. If, if you need more, just let us know, you know, as soon as you can, day of, whatever. So, okay, no problem. So day of the show, I walk around before we open the doors and I talk to the vendors. Who wants to go? So now I'm up to like 52 people. So it's like, okay. I wait till the restaurant opens. It's like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I call him up. I say, hey, this is Bob. This is my reservation tonight. I need 52 seats. Hey, no problem. Okay, we'll see you then. Yep, look forward to it. You know, show goes on. It's a raging hot day. It's like a record hot day for July. 90-something degrees. You know, the air conditioning is struggling in the building to keep up with. So we're all pretty hot and sweaty all day. And you know, working hard, looking forward to a nice Italian dinner, you know, sit down dinner with friends and, and a nice, you know, AC restaurant. And we get there, we walk in the back room and it's hot as Hades. Their air conditioner went out. Not only that, they didn't set up a damn thing. It was a total cluster. It was like, everything's regular. You know, all the tables are spread out. I talked to the waitress, Pam, who's like fantastic. She's awesome. Not her fault. I'm like, what is going on? We got this big party. Nobody told us. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. She's like, no, the owner's out of town. He's in Italy this week. Nobody told us. I was like, oh my God, it's hot. It's miserable. We're hot. We're miserable. And then it was just, what a cluster. But, you know, to credit to her, she comes out, brings out all these cups. She's like, here, all you guys, free, free drinks on us. Go over to the pizzeria side, fill up whatever you want. It's like, okay, so you know that was helpful, but still hot, sucked. She comes back later on, she's like, all right, you know what, there's room in the pizza parlor if you guys want to all just move over there, the air conditioning works. So that's what we did, and it turned out to be, the food is always excellent. The food was great, but it sucked that we couldn't sit together in large groups. So, yeah, that was my my event this year. Total failure, but uh, 
I gave the manager a big earful, and uh, we'll have to find somewhere else next year. What are you going to do? So, everybody, you know, come out and see us next year, Toys for the Ages. Um, we'll look forward to seeing you. Dave, always a pleasure, my friend. Not being able to sit with the group, Pete and I soon left the restaurant and drove to another Italian spot closer to our hotel. We sat in the quiet of the pizza place as an overhead television broadcasted a soccer game, and we talked while we ate. Running a booth and vending at a toy show can take a lot out of you, and that meal was the first downtime of the day. A toy show brings a kinetic energy with it that can last until the final cars leave the parking lot. And it was only once we were seated and away from the venue that the day finally caught up with us. I was so tired that I wound up falling asleep at 9.30 that evening and didn't wake up until 6 o'clock the next morning. But I was well rested and ready for another exciting day at the Toys for the Ages Expo. My thanks to Pete LaRose, Kevin Mann, Alex Coltart, Matt Stryker, Bob Mistrella, Mark Ryan, Eric Janicki, Andy Loney, Chad Plouffe, and so many others for making the weekend at Toys for the Ages such a memorable one, and for sharing their stories and memories with us for this series. And a special thanks to Andy Cook for giving collectors a reason to travel out to Carlisle, Pennsylvania at the end of July and for putting on an unforgettable toy show. Events like these are what bring us all together, build new friendships and further develop previously established ones, and give us the opportunity to land some amazing finds. Stay tuned for part two of a look at the 2023 Toys for the Ages Expo, as we'll return to the show for its final day, and we'll speak with some of the vendors and our fellow Star Wars fans and collectors. I promise you, you will not want to miss this one. There's more to come from Carlisle on Star Wars, Prototypes and Production.